Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Let's talk today about love, sex, and marriage as we look at the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery, found in Exodus 20, verse 14. Marriage is the building block of the family, which in turn is the building block of society. At the core of every marriage is the intimacy of love expressed in sexuality. It is the sexual and romantic part of marriage that makes it a sacred and very special relationship. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, is a call to faithful love in marriage. It also provides us boundaries for sexuality. First of all, this commandment speaks to us of the meaning of marriage. This is a commandment, first and foremost, for married couples. Adultery means unfaithfulness, to break that covenant relationship. Now, what is marriage? Biblical marriage, Christian marriage, all from Genesis through Revelation, is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman for God's glory. Now, culture may want to change its definitions and alignments at times, but we're not following culture, we're following Christ. The word covenant is a word that means unconditional love in the Bible. God is a God of covenant love. So marriage is a relationship of unconditional love between a man and a woman. Anything beyond that is a distortion of what God intended. It is outside of the blessings of God's perfect will for our lives. And the purpose of marriage ultimately, as in every part of our lives, is to bring glory to God in the way that we live together as a married couple. Now, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Mark, when some of the religious leaders asked Jesus about divorce and marriage, the Bible tells us that Jesus replied to them, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. That's Mark 10, verse 5 through 8. So marriage is two people, a man and a woman, that become one flesh. So they're no longer two, they're one. They've joined together to form this incredible relationship that the Bible calls, and we call marriage. Jesus defined gender, sexual identity, marriage, and sex all in this one statement here. He quoted Genesis to explain the meaning of marriage, our identity as male and female, the purpose of sexuality in the covenant of marriage, all in that brief answer that he gave that day. The second truth of this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, is an understanding of the purpose of sex. What is the purpose of sexual love? Why did God give us the gift of sex in marriage? I think knowing the purpose of anything is very important to the proper use of it, whatever it is, and particularly of our sexual expression. Well, sexual love is for the intimacy and enjoyment of a married couple, as well as for procreation. It's the only way the human race can continue is through sexual love as a husband and wife begin to build a family. So the Bible tells us here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and also Malachi 2, verse 15, that God created us to be fruitful and to multiply, he said. That's having children. And he desires godly offspring. So it's the will of God that men and women, a couple marries, 
marriage for his glory. And as Christians, that we marry in the name of Jesus. And that we have children if God blesses us with children because God desires us to multiply. God desires godly offspring, godly children. So this is the purpose and will of God. So sex is for the enjoyment and the pleasure of a couple. It's one of the most amazing aspects of marriage. And it is also for having children, raising up another generation to serve and worship the Lord, to continue the incredible human story that began so many years ago in the Garden of Eden. Well, third of all, this commandment speaks to us of the boundaries of sex. Sex, like everything else, needs boundaries. Healthy sex is governed by the boundaries of God's will. Whenever we step outside of the boundaries of God's will, that's when we get into trouble. That's when we harm our lives. And that's certainly true in sexual behavior that is outside the will of God. Now, dating couples, they can express their romantic love within boundaries and yet avoid having sex. So as a couple falls in love, they're going to naturally have some healthy expressions of their romantic love for each other. But they should avoid sexuality in that sense because it belongs in the sacred covenant of marriage. And it's one of the, the, the great acts of the consummation of marriage is the intimacy of a couple. And so the Bible cautions us about going over these boundaries and, and sexual sin. Now, the Bible tells us here in Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. I've been to the ancient city of Corinth. I've been among the ruins. Barbie and I have taken a Bible study group there. I thought about Paul's ministry there, and I thought about these letters that he wrote to the church and you know, the Corinthian letters, as you read them in the New Testament, this church had a lot of struggles. These people came from a very pagan background, a lot of idol worship in the Roman Empire at the time. The city of Corinth had this main street right down the middle. And on either end of that street, they had temples, pagan temples. And a part of the temple worship were prostitutes. And so prostitution was part of the, the pagan idolatry of the day. So these people came out of a culture that had no regard for sexuality. In fact, some of the Greek philosophers and Roman philosophers write about the immorality, even of the city of Corinth. They use the term Corinthicize as a derogatory term of an immoral place. So these people, they come out of a very immoral culture, very much like our culture today, that has no value of sex. You know, in the hippie era, we read about it and learn about what they call the sexual revolution. And I think the sexual revolution was about sex being detached from love, that you didn't have to be in love to have sex. And then later we see that sex is detached from marriage. And now we use terms like recreational sex or friends with benefits. And all that is a slow descent of our culture of sexual values. So sex is become very meaningless when it is intended by God to be a very meaningful and special part of a couple's life. And that was the city of Corinth. They had, they were in a culture, in a world that had no value for sex. It could just be anything with anyone with no real ultimate purpose other than personal pleasure. 
And so that's why Paul writes so much about this in the Corinthian letters, and he addresses it on several occasions because they were in a culture of immorality. Now, you and I today in this nation and other parts of the world as well are in a culture that has completely detached sex from love or from marriage or from commitment in any shape, form, or fashion. And so we too need to be reminded of boundaries because we're Christian people. Just like those Corinthians, we need to learn God's values and God's will for sexuality. So he says, honor God with your body. And he means specifically here to practice healthy sex within marriage and to avoid sexual immorality, crossing the lines. Well, fourth of all, this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, cautions us about the affair trap. Now, what we call adultery, unfaithfulness, in our language today, we use the word affair. Movies have been written about affairs, some that are kind of frightening to watch them. Entire movie series and television series have been done on the affair. I think it's important to understand that affairs are a trap for married couples and can be a devastating blow to any marriage. Why do people have affairs? Now, research, when we do research on couples that have had affairs, it shows three basic reasons that married couples, someone strays outside that marriage and commits adultery or has an affair. One, because of loneliness that is caused by emotional distance in the relationship. So they're married, but they've grown apart. They have this loneliness and isolation. And the next thing you know, they, they begin to meet somebody at the gym or at work or a friend and a relationship forms. They usually form an emotional attachment and then it leads them down the wrong path. The second cause of affairs is monotony in the marriage and monotony in the sex life. That their own sexual life has become very meaningless to them. Their relationship has grown cold and it opens the door then where there could be infidelity. The third reason that affairs happen is because of poor communication in the marriage about what they need and they want from each other. And I think all three of these reasons show us the problem of a married couple that over time, their relationship is losing its love, its romanticism. They're going their separate ways. They're not openly communicating about anything that really matters. They're not dreaming together, planning together. They're not doing things together. And because of the distance that's beginning to happen, it's creating an open door for temptation. And so this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, cautions us as married couples about that trap of an affair. Now, it's interesting that adultery, unfaithfulness in marriage and sexual infidelity is also a form of covetousness. Now, this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, appears again under the 10th commandment of the 10 commandments. God says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. He goes on to talk about coveting possessions and so forth. But this is interesting that this is another repeat of you shall not commit adultery and exposes one of the reasons, covetousness. Covetousness means grasping for more, a basic discontentment with what you have in life. And so one of the open doors of the affair is because a person in marriage grows discontent with the other person. And the lesson for all of us in marriage is to grow a relationship, stay close, go on dates, keep the romance alive, keep love alive in your hearts. Now, finally, the great lesson of this commandment that all of us can apply to our lives, whether we're married or not, is that this commandment calls us to a dedicated life. The Ten Commandments were given to us for our holiness, for our health, and our happiness. And all of that is found and doing God's will. And that's why the Ten Commandments were written, to give us God's will and to show us the boundaries, not to cross these boundaries. Paul the Apostle writes, 
it is God's will that you should live holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each one of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. That becomes the great take-home value of this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, that all of us can apply. You know, the greatest form of adultery that's used in the Old Testament, kind of an analogy, is to idolatry, unfaithfulness to God. Today is the day as we consider the implications of this commandment that all of us can dedicate our lives and our bodies to live our lives in a way that honors the Lord. Join me for prayer. Lord, today, we thank you for the physical body you've given us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today, it is our desire to honor you with our body, our spirit, our soul, and our mind. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me today. What a great study of the Ten Commandments. Get a copy of my book, Ten Guidelines to Greatness. It's a book on the Ten Commandments. A lot more insights and applications to our lives today. Get your copy. It's a great read for young people today. Go online, check out the Mount Perry store, and get your copy as well. I want to encourage you to follow me and the Mount Perry ministry on our social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channels. Keep up with the sermons, the teaching, share the Word of God with others. We can build our subscriptions and build our audience and our outreach as we invite others just to join and subscribe. So make sure you get some other people connected to the Mount Perry family as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family for church this Sunday. We're going to worship. we got a great day planned. Be here if you can be on campus. If not, wherever you are, worship online. You're a part of the Mount Perry family. I want to thank you for your prayers, your support, and for your contribution to the work of the ministry. I want to thank God for you today, your partnership in ministry, and pray God's richest blessings on your life. Looking forward to seeing you Sunday for worship. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.